title of today's message is, is fishing for people out. Is fishing for people out. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at the, like one of the first things that God, as Jesus said, when he was uh, talking to his disciples and calling his disciples. We read in Mark 1 that he calls people like some of you maybe know Peter or other fishermen and he calls them and he says the following to them, come and follow me and I will send you out to fish for people or to make you fishermen of people. Now, what does that mean? Because like, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure about you, like for me, like it's just so, such a fishing for people. It has this it, negative connotation to it, yeah, doesn't it? Bit. I think a little bit, it sounds like this. So we need to have a closer look. What did Jesus mean with this? Yes, you will take us from here. Like the, the problem I have, I have been fishing before with my dad. So we went there to a small river and, and we made the hook ready and put a, a small worm on it. And then we threw it into the water and hoped that a fish would, would bite. And the thing is, it's, it's the whole picture is a little bit brutal because in the end, the goal of every fisherman is to have a dead fish on your plate to eat. So is this the picture? Is this the goal that God has for our lives? I brought a picture with you. So imagine, for example, the people that you want to win for Christ. Here you see them in the holy net of the gospel. It's, 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 it's kind of strange. You know what I mean? And people don't like to be fished. Like imagine the, your mother-in-law that you have been praying for years. That's her on the right. You know, it, it's, it somehow doesn't work together with the rest that we read in the Bible. How Jesus treats people. How Jesus loves and is gracious with them. So we need to have a closer look. And actually, I understand that a lot of people, maybe also um, a lot of people that you know, and when you start telling them about Jesus, they go like, oh, no, no, no. You want to fish me for Christ? That's strange. I don't want to do it. It, it, it sounds, or it, it reminds them of a very bad um, insurance um, guy who comes to you and who wants to sell you a new insurance policy. And the only thing actually he cares about is the, that he will earn of you your money. So he doesn't maybe give you the best deal, but the one where he has the highest promotion. So that, with that feeling, we need to solve it somehow. And there's always two ways, whether you just ignore it or you uh, you'd go the other way, you dive directly into it. You ask God, what do you mean by this? Why should we be fishing for people? What is the text really saying? And so I did that. And one way to do that is you look, what is the Greek word? I don't have a problem with that Jesus wants us to go for people, but fishing, why fishing? And here we find something. I, I, the words that is, uh, that, that is in the Bible, in the Greek, is actually for fishermen. To be a fisherman for people is actually halieus. And this Greek word doesn't have the word fish in it. So it's not that Jesus said, go and fish for people exactly, be a fisherman for people, but it has the word sea in it. So it's more be a seaman or a sea woman 
for people. So the picture is maybe more, I want to take you on a journey, Peter. And you, I want to take you on a journey. Like we went on the boat before, but now we go on the boat and our goal is to find people who need to be rescued out of the water and help me to get them and pull them into the boat. So actually that's, that's something, okay, I want to do that. And that's the first thing that, that Jesus calls Peter to do. Come and learn what it means to be a sea man for people. That's a more beautiful picture, don't you think? So let me, let me tell you, the question is now, what does that exactly mean? How can we be fishermen or seamen for people? And Jesus promised Peter that he will learn this on the way as they go. So we can read in Mark, in the Gospel of Mark, just the next stories that happen. And in those stories, we find the answer, what does it mean to be a seaman for people? The first story is all about it starts with your neighbor. It starts with the people that are the most close to you. It starts with those. What happened is first Jesus went to the synagogue and preached there. And afterwards, we read it in Mark chapter 1. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon is Peter. And Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. And they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. Maybe you think to follow Jesus, he will lead you on a stage where you can preach in front of people. But the, the first thing that Jesus did with Peter is, let's go to your mother-in-law. That's where it starts. I hope you like your mother-in-law. I have an amazing story with my father-in-law. I really love him. And it, it, it just from, from the first time that I met him, I just felt his heart was open and, and we really could, could build a good relationship. But I, I, I never could talk to him about Jesus. I knew he, he knew a lot. He sometimes went to church on big occasions, but... When it comes to talking about Jesus, I just knew, okay, he, he, he doesn't want to talk about it. But then I, then I thought of, okay, I will just do the same as Peter did. When I visit him, I take my friend Jesus with me. And I will just involve Jesus into our relationship. And that's what I did. So from, uh, from time to time, I, I asked him when I visited him, do you want me to pray for you? Sometimes he said, No, thank you. Sometimes he said, okay. And sometimes he said, yes, please pray. Let's pray together. And so something started to happen because we involved Jesus. Jesus was at the home of my father-in-law. Last year, um, no, a little bit more than last year, um, I became father. 
And because he was sick for, for years, and, and he's still in the, the last month, he was always in bed and could not get up. He couldn't be here when we blessed her here in church. And I, I knew that he, he felt very, uh, very sad about that. So I took my baby and I went to him to the hospital and I told him, I wish you to pray for your granddaughter. Could you do that? Because I believe that it has a lot of power if you as a uh, grandfather pray for her. And I felt that that meant so much to him. It was quite difficult also for him. Okay, now I pray for her, but, but, but it changed something in his heart. And the great thing is, when you invite Jesus into a relationship, Jesus will always do something that you cannot plan. You know, a few weeks ago, uh, he had a new nurse coming into his home. And she's a born-again Christian. And she could pray with him a lot. And she started to play worship music. And she could help him now that he really could start a relationship. And last time we went to him, there was worship music playing. And she told us he already has a favorite worship song. And you could feel he started a real relationship with Jesus. Isn't that amazing? So just invite, let us invite Jesus into our homes, into our relationships. I love that point. Like start with your neighbor, with the closest to you, but don't stop there. And we're going to look at the, sec at the second uh, story. Um, the second point is how can you fish for people? Uh, care about the needs of people. Care about the needs of people. We stay in the scene like the same day that Jesus healed the mother of Peter, the mother-in-law of Peter. We read that in the evening, the whole town gathered at the door of the house and they brought all kinds of people, possessed people, crippled people, sick people. And you read in Mark 1, uh, 33, that while the whole, the whole town gathered at the door, Jesus healed many with various diseases. He also drove out many demons. Jesus did what? He healed people and he drove out demons. Now I want to focus for the next couple of minutes on this word healed. For that, I want to go into the Greek because when we hear the word heal, we, like most of us, I guess, would think about, you know, there's people brought to Jesus who have like physically, like visible, visible wounds or something, and they get healed when they meet Jesus. And that certainly happened. But the word in Greek here for healed is, is, a, is a concept that is far, more, far, far broad, broader, far wider than just physical healing. It's in Greek, terra poio. Terra poio. And it means to take care, to serve. And in other words, Jesus takes time for the heavy burden. He listens to the weak. The ones who are not part of the society, who don't have a status, the ones who, to which the, to who life was really, really cruel. And he takes time and he listens to them and he speaks to them. It's like the terapoyo, we know it, ter therapy. It's the word for it that we have today. And he takes time for them to listen and to share and to, to have conversation with them. He 
Isn't that amazing? Okay, you're not excited, that's all right. Um, I know as well why, because I think the key to understand why this passage is so powerful is to actually think about who are we talking about here? Who is Jesus? The New Testament says it like that, Colossians 1, 1, 15 to 17. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. In Jesus Christ, we have the God of the Old Testament who put on flesh and bones and he became a human and he walked on this earth and he came to do what no one of us could do because he bridged the gap. God himself bridged the gap in Jesus Christ to show us who he really is. Okay, you're still not excited. That's all right. I read some, you some verses about this God of the Old Testament. Are you, are you, are you ready? Okay, okay. You're not ready, but it's all right. Ne Nehemiah 9.6, Nehemiah was a prophet. He says that about God. You alone are the Lord. You made the skies and the heavens and all the stars. You made the earth and the seas and everything in them. You preserve them all and the angels of heaven worship you. Jeremiah says, when he speaks in the thunder, the heavens roar with rain. He causes the clouds to rise over the earth. He sends the lightning with the rain and releases the wind from his storehouses. Okay, Job says, if he commands it in the sun won't rise and the stars won't shine, he alone has spread out the heavens and marches on the waves of the sea. Guys, this God is huge. He's immense, gigantic. There's no one like him. No one we can compare him to. He's huge. And this God decides to become human in Jesus Christ. And he walks the earth. And one of the first things he does in his ministry is actually to sit down with the weak. And he, he looks at you and he says, hey, I see you. you. You look tired. What's wrong? Do you want to tell me about it? Jesus, I don't know. Like, I... I'm not sure if I can another, take another step. Well, do you want to tell me about it? You're not alone. I'm here. Let's take this step together. What an awesome God. That's one of the reasons why I follow him. He's so huge and yet so personal. And you know what? Fish for people means to do exactly the same. Jesus calls you and me to do exactly the same. You know, we live in a time where people scream so loud to be heard. But we as Christians, we know we have a God who listens to us so we can sit down and be silent and just listen to people. Care about them. Serve them. Take time for them. And this is so attractive. This is such an attractive lifestyle. One of the reasons why I, um, well, had a crush on my, now she's my fiance, was exactly that because I realized that she makes room for people who are heavy burdened, who are exhausted. She has this ability to do that, but we all can do it. And you know what? One of my best friends, 
he didn't grow up as Christians. He grew up in a household where there was little interest in how he's doing more, what he's doing, but less, like they never talked really about what's going on inside of him. And I lost a little bit track of him over the years, but we still met in a friends group and a couple months back we met and um, some of the friends left during the evening and my friend stayed there in the door of my house. And I looked at him and I was like, are you all right? He looks at me and he's like, Tim, I'm not doing good. And he broke down and cried. And we sat there on the, on the stairs in front of my, of my door and we talked and I listened to him. And I know that he sees a little bit of Jesus in me when I do that. And I know one day he will meet Jesus and he will be, oh, yeah, I saw that in Tim. <laughs> this is what Jesus is like. And we can do exactly this, do the same for the people around us. The next point is go to the people who want. I'm sure you heard those people who will tell you, don't preach the gospel here. We don't want to be evangelized. Nobody wants to hear about Jesus. Please be silent. When Jesus was preaching somewhere and he went home, he walked by um, a, a, a tax collector's box. And inside there he saw a guy. His name was Levi. And Jesus knew he had to stop and ask Levi, Levi, would it be okay if I would come to your house and we spend time together? And Levi said, of course, please come and I will invite other friends. We want to hear you. What do you want to say to us? And when he was there, the Pharisees heard about that. And they went to the disciples of Jesus and said, Hey, does Jesus know who those guys are? Levi, that's a tax collector. That's a Jew that works together with the Romans. He's on their side. And not, even, not only this, he steals our money. What sinners are they? They're not worthy to hear good news. And we, we don't want to hear the good news either. That reminds me of this story that I had as a kid. Um, you know, I was so passionate about Jesus. And when I... Uh, was on holidays. I, I was at a conference and there we painted our own shirts and I painted a shirt with Jesus on it. And I loved this shirt so much. And I went to school and the first friend that I met said like, ah, your t-shirt says Jesus. You cannot wear this. That's ridiculous. You should never wear this shirt again. And it hurt me so much inside because I, I actually wanted to be very open about Jesus and I knew this is the best thing that I could tell my friends about it. But then after this, I said to myself, okay, at this school, nobody will ever be interested in Jesus. What a mistake. What a lie. But sometimes these voices are so loud and aggressive and strong. Shut up. Don't tell about Jesus. You know what I mean? And of, of course, sometimes also it hurts when somebody comes at you and just says, shut up with your nonsense. That's just stupid stuff. 
Years later, I realized that another friend, and actually was the best friend of this guy, he contacted me and he told me, hey, I found Jesus. I became a Christian and now I need a church. Could I come to your church? And he became part of ICF. We shouldn't make that mistake that we believe everybody is not interested. There are always Levi's. There are always people like Levi who know that they need Jesus. And maybe these are not the loudest voices in your business, at your school, or at home, but they are there. And Jesus took time to talk to those people who want to hear him. And then, because Jesus also said, he knew it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Sometimes God just brings Levi's to us. My cousin contacted me like a few years ago and he said, hey, I'm living in Asia now and I have a big problem. What is your problem? An old school friend of mine uh, wrote me that he, like, uh, he has a lot of problems and now he wants to become a Christian. Can you meet him and help him to give his life to Jesus? And I said, of course, nothing is easier than this. So I could just meet him and he was like a Levi. He, he wanted to know everything, hear everything and I could help him to give his life to Jesus. So easy. There are Levi's around us. Now, um, three years ago, I started an, a new education. And in my class, they knew that I was a pastor. So there were guys who made jokes. They called me the little exorcist. Okay? And they did some other jokes. But one day, I also had a conversation with this woman. And she was very honest and opened um, about her life and how miserable she really was. And I really felt this is a Levi moment. This is just a Levi moment. This is a person, she wants to hear all about God. And I, and I could just tell her everything I knew. I could tell her, look, it all starts with God who loves you like a loving father. He loves you so much that he gave his son. And now everything that could separate you from his love is gone. Just believe in Jesus. And I told her how I experienced the love of God in my life. And I was excited. And in the end, she didn't say, stop evangelizing me. No, she said with tears in her eyes, thank you for telling me these beautiful words. I didn't know that. I didn't realize that God loved me so much. There are Levi's in our lives. And we need the Holy Spirit to guide us, to tell us, Jesus, where are the Levi's in my business, in my school, in my environment? Where are the Levi's? Please show them to me so I can tell them the good news. Okay, so the last point for tonight. There's many more um, what it means to fish for people, but the last point for tonight is how, we, how do we fish for people? What does it mean is we carry people before Jesus. We carry, bring people to Jesus. How do we do that? There's a really churchy word for it. It's intercession. 
Have you ever heard of it? Okay, before, like some of you are like, oh, I've heard it, but I never knew what it means. And um, before I lose you, let me give you a simple definition of what, what intercession means. Intercession is prayer. And it means that we as Christians, we carry people in our prayer to Jesus and let him do the rest. We carry people who don't know Jesus, maybe don't want to know him, in our prayer to, to, to Jesus and let him do the rest. I want to give you two pictures to close this up um, that we have in the Bible because it's demonstrated not by Jesus now, but by people, what it means to actually, you know, carry people to Jesus. As well, in the Gospel of Mark, in chapter 2, we read this story. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had become home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was laying on. We read here a story about four people who carry a paralyzed man to Jesus. And we don't know who they are. We don't know their names or what they do or what they do for a living. Nothing about them. And I think, you know, that's intentional that we don't know. Because it's not so important who they are, but what they do. It's not that important who they are, but what they do. They carry a man to Jesus who couldn't do it himself. They carried him to Jesus, not just carried him, they actually, you know, they, they dig through the, through the roof and they lowered the mat. So it's a lot of work. And what is the fruit of that? We read in Mark um, uh, 2, verse 5, and Jesus saw their faith, their faith, not the faith of the paralyzed man, the faith of the four. That's exactly what intercession is. We believe in Jesus and that he can bring healing. And we carry people before him who couldn't do that on their own because maybe they don't know Jesus or they don't know that he's there. We carry them. And Jesus sees our faith. And you know what? He says to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Not just that. No, in Mark 2, verse 11, he says, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. Guys, when you start to pray, you know what? Heaven opens up. God starts moving when you start to pray for people, when you intercede for them, when you carry them before people before Jesus. It's amazing. Actually, lives are getting turned around completely. This man had a new life after that experience. So, you know, as when I realized that, we started to pray in my small group. I lead a small group and we started to pray for people in our environment who don't know Jesus. And after two weeks, we met back and we shared what happened. And one of the guys tells this story that the girl we prayed for two weeks before, she came to him in these two weeks and asked him out of nowhere, hey, who is Jesus? Can you tell me about him? When you start to pray, God does the rest. Isn't that amazing? He draws people in. He works as we start to pray. He moves. And you know, we, we Christians, we sometimes have this tendency to 
get a little bit self-righteous and be like, oh yeah, I prayed for them. And then, you know, he found Jesus. What a great guy am I? So to that this doesn't happen, um, I just always, you know, remember myself, remind myself of the animal that God or, like, uses to actually describe humanity and myself. Do you know what, which animal it is? Not the lion. It's this one here. Yeah, some of you ask, like, you were figuring out the whole sermon, why is this thing here? It's a sheep. God compares us to sheep. David says it in the famous Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that need. The Lord is my shepherd, what does that make me? A sheep. Why in the world a sheep? Out of all the animals that God could have chosen, like a lion or an eagle or something like a cool animal, he chose a sheep. A sheep can't even, you know, it can't walk um, backwards. It's stump. Have you ever heard how a sheep sounds? Yeah, I heard it. Okay, the boss worked this morning. Here we go. It's a stupid sound. It's not really flattering. Did you know that the sheep, like, it can, like, be in eyesight of its barn and still not find the way to it? It's so stupid. And Jesus actually, you know, he compares us to it. He himself says he's a good shepherd and he knows his, his sheep. He says in the famous parable, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, because that's what sheep do, they just get lost. You know, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. Jesus himself says, we are sheep, he's the shepherd, and he goes to look for the lost sheep. Isn't that amazing? And you know, when you become a Christian, you stay a sheep. <laughs> you, you don't become a lion. <laughs> like, you stay a sheep. <laughs> and not an upgraded sheep. You're still a sheep. Like, exactly like the lost sheep. The only difference between you and someone who doesn't know Jesus is that you know that there is a shepherd out there who is there to bring you home. Who is looking out for you and who wants to bring you home. That's the only difference. And so what is intercession? Intercession is nothing else. That we as found sheep, we know there is a shepherd who's looking out in the desert to carry us home. We actually, we look at the lost sheep and we all know who they are. They're maybe work, workmates or, you know, people in the family, friends or or teachers or co-students and all what we do is like we realize oh man like this sheep is lost and they don't even know that there's a shepherd who's looking out for them and so what we do and that is intercession we we remember we're sheep this is how we sound and we we stand next to the lost sheep and we just cry out to the Lord on behalf of the lost sheep. Jesus! I'm here! He doesn't know that you're here. <laughs> Bring him home. She doesn't know you. We're here! I can't take it on my back, but you can bring it home. Jesus, where are you? We're here. Find your lost sheep. That's what intercession is. It's not really, you know, something we can really be proud of. 
but it's the most powerful tool we have. I want to invite you to stand up. Look, when, when God calls Peter and asks him, hey, be a fisherman or a seaman or a seawoman for people, he actually also asks us all as we follow Jesus, please come with me on the adventure. Let's go. Come on the boat and let's pull out people into the boat for salvation. And let's, I will invite you to, to pray with me and just say, yes, Jesus, use me. Jesus, sometimes it's, it's, it's quite a difficult topic because some of us experience just pressure in this. Maybe some of us are already very hurt. We have a lot of disappointments, but today we lay it all down because If you ask us to be fisher for people with you, God, we say yes to this adventure. Use us. And please, Holy Spirit, we ask you today, open our eyes for the Levites. Open us our eyes for those people who want to hear about you. Lead us to those people. Now let's give the Holy Spirit the opportunity to give us maybe a name to show us a person that he says this guy, this girl is open to talk about Jesus intercession do intercession and what I want you want you to ask is as we do that and you don't have to and if you're not physically able to do it you don't have to you can remain standing or sit um, sit down but would you would you kneel with me because kneeling down is an outward expression of our heart posture we remind ourselves we're sheep but we just cry out on behalf of the ones who don't know there is a shepherd and so I ask you just lift up the names to him carry out to the shepherd he's out there and he's gonna carry them home just lift the names up to him And Lord, I ask you that you will bring those people home. You are the good shepherd. 
and you see all those names, you hear the names that we are lifting up with our voices to heaven. And I ask you, Lord, go and find them, meet them, talk to them, carry them on your shoulders back home to the house of the Father, the house where they are really at home, where they can find rest and peace and grace and mercy and love and the, the true life that you promise. Bring him home, Jesus. We ask you, Good Shepherd, come and bring them home. Amen. Hey, thanks for watching. Hey, our passion for people is that we see them grow in their relationship with Jesus, live fearlessly and influence their people and the surrounding in a positive way. And if you would like to be part of that vision, we thank you so much for your financial support because that would make it possible. I hope that this message spoke to you really. And if you don't have subscribed to our channel, please do this. And it's always a big blessing. Maybe you know some people in your neighborhood or in your friendship say that podcast could be a very well cool thing just share the link because it's pretty pretty easy and I'm looking forward to see you again tune in and God bless you and see you soon bye bye